And Lord, thank you for your goodness and for your grace. Help me to preach tonight, Lord. And uh, what we've done so far is had a little bit of fun. God, we pray that you'd help them poor Chinese folks. And Lord, uh, give them what they need and help them. Uh, Lord, I, I hope that uh, folks like that that come from other, some other place in this world, God, maybe that'd be good for them. They can learn about the love of Jesus and stuff they would, they're not allowed to learn about in the places where they come from. And uh, Lord, most of the things that's wrong with people from other parts of the world is that they just don't know Jesus and they don't have no fellowship with Jesus. And Lord, I want to preach about that tonight, about the fellowship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Pray you'd help us in that regard. Be merciful to us, God. We know uh, as poor old sinners, we're not any better than any other person on the planet, God. But I believe the best life and the best culture that there is is not American culture or Japanese culture. Lord, I believe it's Christian culture. And I pray, oh God, you'd help us, God, to uh, invest the rest of our lives in having, not just being saved, but having fellowship with you. And we'll thank you and praise you, dear God, for everything that you do. In Jesus Christ's we, uh, name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. All right, First John chapter number 1. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and, uh, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Now, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, we walk in darkness. Uh, excuse me. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. What a good passage of scripture that is. Let's go back to verse number three. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Now that's really all you have to worry about tonight. You don't have to worry about uh, the tons and tons and tons of material that's out there in the, in the uh, encyclopedias, the Bible encyclopedias and the commentaries and, and all that stuff. Boy, there's been a lot of stuff written about the gospel. Matthew Henry and, and uh, all kinds of folks like that. It's got uh, uh, pages and pages and pages of stuff that they, that's been written. One time I thought I, uh, I read the, uh, it's a three-volume set by Isaac Backus. This fellow lived back in the 1700s. And I read the first volume and I said, man, it says volume one on the back. I need to get volume two and volume three and I finally got those and never read them, amen. I read the first one all the way through. It's pretty interesting. So I got the other two, I guess, a couple years after I finished the first one and finally found the set. And so when I got the second volume and the third volume, I started reading the first one over again. I done forgot what was in the first movie, so I had to get the second and the third one. I can't start the second and the third one until I remember what the first one was all about. But good, it was just about a man's life and his ministry. And I said, boy, you know what? I'd like to have John Wesley's journals. And I found a set of them in, the, uh, in a bookstore somewhere. I think it was a secondhand bookstore. They had the whole set. And I was like, man, I, I've heard about John Wesley's journals and math on bed. It would be good to read about that. But when I seen them up there on the shelf, there was like 30 books. Like, man, I ain't reading all that. <laughs> I spend all that money on a bunch of books. I ain't never going to read 30 books. Man, no, I just, no, no, thank you. And so I left them where they was. But uh, there's been a lot of stuff written, a lot of stuff written, a lot of smart guys. There's a lot of smart guys in the world. They read a lot of books. Uh, I, guess the only, I guess the only attempt I've made to read in a whole set of books, I guess, is Dr. Ruckman's stuff. I, I, at one time I had read all of them, but the, 
that old fellow wouldn't die, man. He just kept living and writing books. I said, man, I ain't trying to keep up with this guy no more. <laughs> uh, somebody that's done wrote 50 books, man. By the time you read 30 of them, you've read everything he's got to say. So the new book's probably just the same old thing over and over. So I just let him have it, amen, and uh, more power to him. Live as long as you want to, write as much as you want to, but I ain't reading no more. Uh, and I like him. I ain't saying I don't like him. I'm just saying I ain't reading no more of that stuff. Amen. There's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of stuff out there you can read. You can read stuff from Calvinist and non-Calvinist and dispensationalist and non-dispensationalist and hyper-dispensationalist. And we was talking about this fellow that pastors this church up here believes you've got to be baptized to be saved. You can't get nowhere near saved by that. But there's, there's that kind and this kind and Catholics up here and all kinds of stuff. There's 150,000 different types of Baptists everywhere you go. And they all think the other ones is wrong about everything. Amen. When most of them believe the same thing anyway, they're just mad because they're probably uh, the, the Baptists in this church are probably the cousins of the Baptists in the church up the road. They don't like one another anyway. Amen. They all rotten. Amen. You're just as rotten as the ones up there. Amen. But at any rate, uh, whatever the case is, man, people get caught up in, in, in having to know this and having to know that. And, and knowledge is good. I'm not saying nothing about that. But you're not really responsible for all that stuff. What you're responsible for is what you've seen and heard. And that's what John says here. He says, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Uh, are you saved tonight? Amen. You heard Jesus died for your sins, didn't you? And that's what he's talking about here. Listen, uh, when, when the church first started, you're reading, you're reading the writings here of these men that were there right from the beginning. And he says, when he starts off, he says, that which was from the beginning. He's talking about Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. Have you read John's other book? Back over in the, uh, in the Gospels, the Gospel of John, he starts it out the same way. In the beginning was the Word. And that's a reference to Genesis chapter 1. And so the one that created the universe and created man and created everything that you can see today, John said, that's him. He showed up and we seen him. Yeah. We put our hands on him. That's what he says there. He says, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Not just something he heard about. He put his hands on him. John laid his head on, on his chest and heard his heartbeat. That's mighty close. That's mighty close. And John said, I don't know a whole lot of things, but I know this. I seen him. I walked with him. I talked with him. I watched him. I watched him. Listen, everybody else run, but John didn't run. He sat there and watched. He went with him. Can you imagine that? I mean, the Bible doesn't give you that much information, but the Bible says when all them fellas run, it says when, they, when Jesus showed up on the judgment, at the judgment seat there at Pilate, uh, at the judgment seat actually first of those Pharisees, John was right there looking, and they knew John, and they never laid a hand on him. It looked like they was looking for the ones that was running more than the ones that, that was right there with them. Amen? That's what it is most of the time. People are going to pick on the guys that run. But John was right there. John was watching. John was watching Simon Peter when Simon Peter said, I don't know who he is. Amen? And that's the way it was. But old John was sitting there watching. Nobody ever said a word to him. Didn't try to lay a hand on him or nothing. Seems like God will point out the ones that's hiding. Amen. Uh, people, people that love the Lord come to a, a meeting like this or a meeting like they have all across the country and they'll sit there and there's not a problem in the world. They believe what's going on. They're glad that what's going on is going on. Seems like the problem is the one that's running. Amen. Uh, Simon Peter, he wanted to be there, but he didn't want to be there. And maybe somebody will come to this meeting this week and, and everybody else is having a good time except for the fellow that don't. He's, he's here, but he's running. And that's the guy that gets shook up. That's the guy that gets mad. That's the old girl that gets upset because somebody said something about their particular little thing. Uh, but John had fellowship with Jesus. He wasn't just along for the ride. He just wasn't listening. He was doing those things. He was listening. He was learning. He was getting something, but he was having fellowship. I'm glad to be here. He was a disciple. He was there for a technical reason, but he was also there for a personal reason. I'm here for the ride. I'm here for the long haul. So it seems, it seems to me like, and uh, I'm not 150 years old, uh, but I have read this book many times. I've been reading it since 1975. It seems to me after reading it over and over and over and over again, it seems to me like John got the most out of anybody. I, you know, some people say Paul, 
And Paul did have a great revelation. We know that. We understand that. Paul got a great revelation, but it seems to me like John knew it right from the beginning. It seemed to me like John knew what was going on right from the beginning. When you read the Gospel of John, don't it sound more like any other Christian epistle? I mean, doesn't it sound as close to Paul's epistle as any other one? Seems to me like John knew what was going on, didn't he, right from the beginning. Amen. And he surely did because he was, he was having fellowship. He just wasn't having a relationship. He was having fellowship. And that, that's what this passage is talking about. He says uh, uh, in verse 3, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now relationship and fellowship is two different things. You can have a daddy, you can have a mama, that's your relationship, you're related. See the word related, we're related, we're related. You're my mama, you're my uh, brother, you're my sister, we got a relationship. But mamas and, uh, and daughters and daddies and sons or daddies and daughters can be related and not have any fellowship at all. I, I, you know, I'm a stepson, I know that better than anybody. I was, I was born... Michael Eugene Easter, October the... Uh, no, no, I wasn't. That's a lie. I was born Michael Eugene Underwood, October the 26th, 1970. And my daddy's name was Freddie uh, Eugene Underwood. And I don't know him from Adam because we ain't never had no fellowship. Amen. I didn't see him from the time I was four years old to the time I was 18. And when I met him when I was 18, I didn't like him, didn't care nothing about him. We didn't have no fellowship. But we was related and one of these days I'll go to my grave and they'll put Michael Eugene Easter, October the 26th, 1970, to whenever it all winds up. They'll put those dates on there. And, uh, and as sure as I'm living, Freddie Eugene Underwood be my daddy and I'll be his son. And we'll never have any fellowship. Not none. Not none. And I wouldn't choose to have it today if I could. Don't change the fact. Some archaeologist will dig me up 100,000 years from now. No, that ain't going to happen. You know that ain't going to happen. But just for the sake of the argument, some fellow will dig me up in 1,000 years and compare my DNA to somebody else's DNA they found. They said, these two fellows was related right here. And there won't be no lie about that. And one they might say, I wonder how this father and son grew up and how they interacted. And, and they can have all the hypotheses about that they want to. It ain't going to change the fact we never talk to one another in a decent conversation in our whole lives. They'll imagine it and put it out there and write it and somebody will read it and say, oh, that must be true because the scientist said so. But it won't be true for a second because we never had a moment's fellowship. Amen. And there's Christians just like that. They believe and they're saved because the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But they ain't had a moment's fellowship with them. Not a minute. But you know what John says? John says you're invited. He said the very reason that we're writing this stuff to you is so you can have fellowship with us and our fellowships with the Lord Jesus Christ. If your fellowship is going to be with Christians, it's going to have to be a fellowship that's, that, uh, that's, uh, uh, that has a bond with Jesus Christ. It's going to have to be that way. You can get together because you're both, uh, two men can get together because they're both dispensationalists. And they can get together because they both believe in a pre-trib rapture. They can get together on things they agree on. But this, the Christian life is not about uh, us necessarily having fellowship with one another. Our fellowship, our fellowship has to be with Jesus. If we go to the same church right here and me and Jesus is fellowshipping and you and Jesus ain't fellowshipping, me and you're going to have a hard time fellowshipping and staying together long. And I said something about all these Baptists around here and all over the place that won't talk to one another. That's the reason because at some, pl some point in time, somebody's fellowshipping with Jesus and somebody else ain't. They can't get along that way. It's impossible to do. It's impossible to do. Uh, Brother Nathan was telling me about, uh, about talking to this man up the street here today. And that man, uh, that man believes you get saved by somebody dunking you under the water. And Brother Nathan don't believe that. But that man was talking right to Brother Nathan's face and he said, we all basically believe the same thing. And he'd done exactly what I want him to do. I want him to bow his head and go, no, that ain't exactly true. You say, why? Because it's not exactly true. We don't believe the same thing. 
Now, I ain't mad at them fellers. I'm not mad. Listen, if there's a Calvinist in the, in the county or if there's a, somebody that believes in water baptism, I'm not mad at them on a personal level. I don't got a thing against them. I mean, if they want to go fishing with me sometime, I mean, they can go fishing. We'll, we'll talk about how wonderful, it is, how wonderful it is to be saved by the blood and saved by faith, grace through faith and nothing else. If, as long as they want to hear it. But at the end of the day, it ain't going to be me hating them. They're going to have to hate me. Amen. Uh, they're going to have to walk. That's why I was determined not to let them fellas today walk away from it. Because they ain't never going to walk away and say, that old boy over there, he was mean to me. Every time, every time from this day forward that they have to say, this, this bunch of people over here hates me, they're going to have to remember that they was the one with the bad attitudes walking away. And that's the, way I, that's the way I'm going to be with everybody I meet on the street. And that's the way I'm going to be with every person I ever talk to about the Lord. If you leave mad, it's going to be your fault, not mine. Amen. I ain't going to be mad at you. You don't believe this or you don't believe that. You're the one that has to deal with that. But I'll tell you what I'm doing in the meantime. While you're mad at me, I'll be fellowshipping with Jesus. Amen. And I'll be doing it with a clear conscience. And if you said something that bothers me in my mind, I'm going to get somewhere and pray about it and ask God to help me with it. I'm not going to stay mad at you for six years because you didn't believe what I told you was true is true. I'm going to get, listen, if, I, if, I, if you say something and I don't quite have an answer for it, me and God is going to get together in a prayer meeting and we're, uh, I'm going to talk to him and he's going to talk to me until I figure out which one of us was right. And if I find out you was right, I'm going to say, hey, that's right. And listen, I've been the pastor of this church before you have sat where you're sitting and heard me stand where I'm standing right now and say, I'm sorry what I said last week. I said that was wrong. That was wrong. I said that wrong. If it was a mistake, I admitted it. If I was flat out wrong, I admitted it. You say, why? Because I'm a believer. I'm not, I'm not just a religious person that happened to fall into this kind of religion. Uh, listen, I read this book when I was five years old. I believed it right that day. I still believe it today. Amen. Uh, I'm not a hyper-Calvinist or a hyper-dispensationalist. I'm a hyper-believer, amen? Uh, you might even call me gullible, but I tell you what, the things that I believe, the stuff that, the, that my preacher told me was true when I was a little boy, I went ahead and took his word because he was my preacher. I didn't get mad at him because everybody else got mad at him. I just went ahead and took his word for it. Then I got in there and studied it and tried to find it out. Some of it took me 20 years to figure it out all the way together. But there it was. There it was, right there, white pages with black words. Amen. And I would have never, listen, you know how many deceived people there are in this world because of religion? And you know why they're deceived today? It's not because somebody didn't explain it to them good enough. Hey, and if you got, if you got the job of explaining, you better explain it as good as you can. But people are not deceived because somebody didn't explain it to them good enough. People are deceived because they flat out want to be deceived. Yeah. They'd rather have that. Listen, there's some people in this world. Now, they just so happen to believe right, but there's people in this world that believes the King James Bible is the Word of God. And they, they believe it flat out because somebody told them they ain't never looked it up a day in their life. They believe you're once saved, always saved, and they've never proved it to themselves, just somebody said it. And I, I don't uh, have any problem with you believing what your preacher said, but go home and study this thing. Because it's not just ha you having fellowship with me. He said, hey, we want to invite you to fellowship with us. He said, but truly our fellowship is with the Son. If you're going to get involved with People's Baptist Church or what in the world every People's Baptist, or what in the world every church you're associated with, make sure that that fellowship you're having with that group of people, make sure that group of people is having fellowship with the Son. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Not just we're Baptists, bless God. Because if Baptists dried up and blowed away, we could still be Christians. Not just because we're Americans. Did you know, listen, I know this is going to come as a shock to you. I know this is going to come as a severe shock. But did you know that the, Christ, the, the Christian movement was alive and well before there ever was a constitution of the United States? People act like the world's going to fall apart and dry up and blow away. If somebody ever takes, takes, a, takes away your constitutional rights, what in the world would we do? I guess you have to do what, you, what they was doing in Nero's day. I guess you have to do what they was doing in Tyndale's day. They burnt him at the stake. They wouldn't know freedom of speech in Tyndale's day. But what he done produced this. And all the King James Bible is so great. The King James Bible wouldn't have been here without William Tyndale. But they burnt him at the stake for writing what he wrote. Amen. 
And the same people that burned him at the stake turned around and used the book that he created uh, to make a, an English Bible with. The same people that burned him at the stake had to use his materials. Pretty good testimony for me. Well, they threatened to kill the man, threatened to kill the man. And why could he go on and do what he was doing? Well, I'm gonna, they said, we're going we're gonna to put a stop to what you're doing. Somebody snuck him in some typing paper so he could finish. <laughs> you believe William Tyndale typed out his Bible? No, he didn't. Somebody snuck him in some typing paper so he could finish up his manuscripts before they killed him. Amen. Well, y'all better quit worshiping. Or what? Hey, we'd appreciate you stop talking to everybody on break about the Lord. Or what? What you going to do? What, what you going to do about it? You going to fire me? I was looking for a job when I found this one. Amen. That's a, uh, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I went to work at a place called the Renfro Renfro Manufacturing or something like that. They made socks in there. And I was passing out tracks everywhere. I just got out in the Marine Corps, just had got back in church, got right with God, trying to start looking, acting, and smelling like a Christian, handing out tracks everywhere. Me and fellas was praying beside the machines and all kinds of stuff like that. We was having a camp meeting in that place. And the boss man called me in and said, Now, some of the fellas tell me that you've been... Uh, you know, harassing them about your religion, passing out these tracts. I said, no, hold on just a minute. Some of these fellas told you, I, these fellas have been praying with me. I don't think none of these fellas said nothing to you about nothing. He said, well, I'm going to have to ask you to stop passing out these tracts. I said, well, I ain't going to do it. Matter of fact, I pulled that, we looked into my pocket and got me another tract, handed him one and said, here's your gospel tract. You need to get saved. And walked out there, got back to work, never heard nothing else about it. Never heard nothing about it. Somebody might have complained, but it, his, it was him probably doing the complaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Ain't nobody missed no work. Ain't nobody's machine slowed down while we was talking about Jesus. Just keep talking about Jesus. A couple, couple weeks after that took place, uh, there was this one old fellow worked over in the corner. Uh, th these particular machines I was working on at the time, you put socks in there, you put dye in there, you let them run for 45 minutes. Man, I'd come in, I'd, I'd let every one of them things run down to a stop. At the same time, I'd load them all up, put the die in them, let them run. Got 45 minutes to read my Bible now. Because I ain't got another responsibility in the whole plant. When the machines quit, then I got to get to work. So I'll be reading my Bible and telling people, hey, come to church with me next week. Tell people about the Lord. And there's this one fellow over there, bald-headed fellow named Mike. And Mike Flippin was his name. And he was working over there. And every time I'd get near him, he'd find something else to do. And one day I was standing there by my machine and I was, uh, I was getting things done, washing stuff off and, and cleaning up around the machine that this machine had just finished and, and uh, kind of make some mess while it's running. But so I was cleaning, getting everything cleaned up so that the next batch didn't get contaminated by these colors and all that stuff and, and getting this stuff all done. And I turned around as I turned around, actually, while I was cleaning it up. Now, this is, this is not preacher talk. This is, this happened. I was down on my knees spraying this thing off, and I just stopped there a minute, and I said, God, this old boy over here, Mike, help me. Help me. Well, I wanted to witness to him so bad, and he wouldn't let me get near him. And I'm sitting here washing this thing off, and I, I turned like this to get up, and he was standing right there behind me. I said, what's going on, Mike? He said, he said I need you to pray for me. Tears started running down his face. He said, my daddy's got cancer. He said, could you pray for me? I said, Mike, before we do that, let me ask you something. Before we start this praying business, are you saved? Have you been born again, Mike? He said, no, I never have. My family ain't never wanted to go to church, and ain't nothing ever happened for us like that. We're just not religious people. I got my little pocket New Testament out and began to show him the Romans road. And me and him both knelt down beside my little workplace there and he asked the Lord to come into his heart and save him Amen. That, I, went back to, I went back to church on Wednesday night and I gave his dad's address uh, to my pastor there and I said look this guy is an older man he don't care nothing about religion he ain't going to listen nothing to, to nothing from a 24 year old man like me here's his address he's dying of cancer go see him that fellow went the next night and saw him on Thursday night Mike Flippin's dad got saved the next day Amen. 
And that, listen, if somebody would have been able to make me stop witnessing, Mike would have never got saved. Mike's dad would have never got saved. Listen, and listen, uh, being able to push through and, and do what you're supposed to do, even when the world's against you, that comes from fellowshipping with his son. Uh, me and brother, uh, me and brother, uh, uh, me and Brother Howard here was talking today about the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Listen, some of those people went through more than a tongue lashing. Amen. They was burned at the stake. That William Tyndale I was talking about a while ago, they strangled him to death. They buried him. They dug him back up, burned his bones, and then throwed him in a river somewhere. Those people back in the day went through more than you'll ever imagine. And listen, those people didn't go through what they went through because they believed on Jesus. They went through what they went through because they had fellowship with Jesus. And they knew that God was going to stand with them in the hard times because God stood with them all the time. And that's the thing that you're going to have to get in your heart and in your mind tonight. That this is not just a religion where we meet and talk about religion. This is a place where we open up the book and we find out that Jesus loved me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And listen, when we're going to read and we're going to find what's true. And when we get down on our knees, the Lord's going to listen to us and he's going to hear us. And he's going to answer. He ain't always going to give us what we want. But he's going to give us what we need. He's going to be there with us all the way. I like what it says over in John chapter 13. It says he went with them all the way to the end. He loved them to the end. Boy, I, I think that's worth reading all the way to the end since we talking about John's writing here. I believe I'll be able to find it in just a second and read it to you. The Bible says in John 13, he says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Amen. The Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He laid his life down for you. He'll go with you all the way to the end. And listen, I, listen. you saved in here tonight. God's going to go with you all the way to the, to the end. How bad would it be? How terrible would it be if you found out that God went with you all the way to the end? You never took five minutes to fellowship with him. That can happen, you know. It can happen to know. Listen, uh, your preacher uh, don't have your preacher don't have what it takes to fellowship with God for you. He just can't do it. It's impossible for him to do it. He could be the smartest man on the planet. He could memorize more scripture. He could pray more hours. He could study his Bible like nobody else has studied it before. But he ain't got enough fellowship to fellowship with God for you. You have to do that for yourself. And God saved you. He wants to fellowship with you. And he will. He not just wants to, he will. And he, he'll make it easy for you to do it. Say, so, man, what would it be like? It'd be hard for you to fellowship with the president. It might, I don't know the situation here in, in, in Folkestone anymore, but it might be hard for you to fellowship with the mayor or with the sheriff or somebody, the chief of police. I mean, they, those fellas don't have time for you unless they need your vote. Amen. But listen, God will fellowship with you. The Lord Jesus Christ will fellowship with you. Listen, you can come to the altar here tonight. That'd be well and good. I hope you do. But you can slip out of this place and go down to your house and eat you a little snack and drink a Coca-Cola and then slip in there in your bed where there ain't nobody giving you no trouble or causing no distraction. You get down beside your bed and say, Oh God, I really need you today and I need your help. I need your direction. Some things are going to happen tomorrow, God. I'm not, I'm not smart enough to order my life right. I pray you'd help me and strengthen me and, and give me the grace to go through tomorrow. Help me make some good decisions tomorrow. And Lord, you, you, uh, I don't know if you know it or not, but the Lord will get right down there beside of you and say, I'll be here with you, son. I'll go with you, son. And sometimes you'll feel right stupid. And then right when you need it the most, you'll come up with this great decision and you'll do the right thing. Say, boy, I'm the smartest fellow on the planet. What you don't realize is God was walking there with you. And God was willing to go there with you. Amen. Amen. He surely will. Boy, I better look back over here in First uh, John before I preach all night. First John chapter number one, he says, he says, now look in verse number five. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Let me say just for a few minutes now, if you're going to fellowship with God, you're going to have to fellowship on his terms. Amen. Now I know, listen, what I'm about to say is not exactly true, so don't take it to heart. I, I'm trying to make a point by what I'm about to say. 
Uh, and I'm saying this just to paint a picture in your mind now. Uh, have you ever heard the verse out of Hebrews that said we can come boldly before the throne of grace? Listen, God don't want a fellowship with you in your house. Although I've had a lot of fellowship with God in my own house. And God really don't want a fellowship with you here in this church. But I've had a lot of fellowship with God here in this church. I mean, I've walked around these, this I've walked around this building right here two or three o'clock in the morning, sometimes four o'clock in the morning, and praying for people and praying for things and praying about what you're going to preach on Sunday and praying about what's the best decision to make about this and praying about this and praying. My wife wish I'd pray about all the guns I bought and the different pickup trucks, amen, but uh, sometimes it's hard to pray about things like that, ain't I mean, here's this opportunity. If I pray about it, maybe I'll miss an opportunity. They might sell it while I'm praying, amen, so, so it's better to get uh, forgiveness than permission, amen. Sometimes I'm going to have to get somebody in trouble. In but, but I mean, uh, we're all, we've all got our sins, amen. <laughs> Ain't that the excuse they give you, preacher? Yes, sir. We've all got our faults and failures. But listen, I've been in here and fellowship and, and fellowship with God and, and know for real, know absolutely for sure God was fellowshipping with me. Then come in and preach on Sunday morning, preach on Sunday night and have people say, Preacher, you've been reading my mail. You've been eavesdropping. you got my house. Do you have my house uh, bugged or something? Because we were just talking about that. We was just asking about that. You say, it's Brother Mike, didn't you know that such a one's Brother Mike could divine? No, Brother Mike can't divine, but i tell you what I can do. I can fellowship with God. Amen. Amen. And God, listen, God can make me say everything you need to hear, and God can make me say everything you don't want to hear. Either way, you say, why? Because if God, if, if God can fellowship with me, He can certainly do that. Now, what I was trying to say is, God ain't necessarily wanting to meet you at your house. God wants you to meet him at his house. That's why he didn't say, come before your couch or come before your coffee table and ask for grace to help in time of need. He said, come boldly before the throne of grace. You've got to realize, listen, if you're going to fellowship with God, you're going to have to realize that, you know, we say, oh, I'm so thankful for the grace of God. And you know how Baptists testify, oh, God. Oh, Lord, I'm so unworthy. Preacher, you just don't know how unworthy I am. But let the preacher preach on how unworthy you are and see how fast they move their membership. Well, they didn't really mean that. They didn't really mean that. But, boy, if, you, if you're one of those few Christians that really realize, man, I'm an unworthy dog. I deserve to be in hell. I deserve to be in hell. That kind of person that realizes that, they don't have no problem getting down and saying, boy, my house ain't worthy for God to come in. You know, Simon Peter just seen Jesus do a little miracle, and he said, get away from me, Lord. I'm, he, said, I, he said, I'm so despicable. He said, man, Lord, get away. I'm a sinful man. Get away, just get away from me. Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. So I don't want God to come down to my house for nothing. I, I don't want God to have to deal. People about this church, listen, you say what you want to, and, and uh, you may or may not know my opinion about it, but People's Baptist Church, one of the worst churches ever been planted on, this, on, on the top side of this earth. And I can say that about the rest of them too because they all got people in it. Amen. They just all ain't named people. This is the, appro- the most appropriately named church that there's ever been. Amen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Amen. This church ran off more people than prohibition did liquor. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's a God's honest truth, ain't it? Amen. Uh, when, when somebody, this fellow heard, he was wrong, by the way, but this fellow heard that I was coming to pastor the church here. He said, boy, he called Brother Allen, my father-in-law, and said, boy, tell him not to go down there. That's a graveyard for preachers. I said, well, God does his best work in the graveyard. <laughs> amen. That's exactly right. Amen. So I don't care what people think about this. If, if I run across somebody that says it's a great church, I say it's a terrible church. I, I pastored here for 11 and a half years. Amen. I know how bad it is. Somebody says it's a bad church, I say it's the best church there's ever been. Amen. As long as folks is, uh, as long as the, the people in this church is poaching gators, <laughs> uh, that counts for something, don't it? Amen. It ought to. It ought to, amen. State ain't got no right to them gators no more than you do. Can I get no amens right there? Uh, ain't y'all never watched the movie Robin Hood? Uh, you, Robin Hood's killing the king's deer. Where'd the king get any deer? He ain't got no deer. Oh, rascals, rascals. Poach a deer every once in a while. Amen. 
Amen. Listen, God don't care about this. God don't, I mean, uh, to an extent, I know what the Bible says about behaving yourself in the house of God. But God's interested in people coming in this place and realizing who they are and fellowshipping with God. I mean, what I'm saying is you got saved by the grace of God. You're going to have to fellowship with him by the grace of God. Lord, now I know I'm just a dog, but I'll take some of them scraps off of your table. And that, that kind of repenting attitude keep God's attention. You begin to pat yourself on the back and take this suit and tie seriously or your job seriously or how much money you make seriously. God can break you just as easy as he made you. And I'm not saying he wants to do that. I mean, that's not, I'm, that's, I'm not trying to preach mean. I'm just saying God can break you as easy as he made you. And if he does break you, you deserved it. And that's just the kind of thing. That's why people don't like Brother Mike because he says stuff like that. But man, I know who I am. I know who I am. I get people say, Brother Mike, I heard you memorize some scripture. Man, I'm a rotten dog. I'm a sinful devil walking around in a preacher's suit. But man, I know God saved me for that reason. That's the only reason. Jesus died on the cross for a rat like me. Yeah. Amen. So I mess up in my mind, mess up in my heart, mess up with my feet. At the end of the day, what that book tells me is there's a loving Savior who died for me. Yeah. I'm going to run to him as quick as I come yeah. to my senses and say, God, forgive me for that and help me. Lord, i got to preach this Sunday. God, help me do my duty. And you know what he'll do? He'll help me do my duty. Because he's wanting to fellowship with fellas just like that. Amen. Some people, some people who thought they were something talked to Jesus, and he wouldn't even talk back to them, wouldn't even listen to what they had to say. Uh, as, far as, as far as the Middle East was concerned, Pilate was the king of the universe. And Pilate said, hey, what, what's, what's this all about? Jesus just stood there. Ain't you going to answer me? I can judge you. I can judge you. I can, I can kill you or let you go free. And Jesus said, you can't do nothing to me if my father don't let you do it. Yeah. Bowed his head back down. These folks is accusing you. You got something to say? Got nothing to say. You the son of God? You said that. You'd trip over yourself if Joe Biden come to town. Oh, let me go see him. Listen, half of the South talk bad about Barack Obama, but whenever he come through town, people line up Jacksonville or line up Atlanta trying to get a peek at him. Care nothing about that. People, some movie star come to Folkestone to premiere his new movie. Christians line up around the block to try to get an autograph from Brad Pitt. They would. Uh, I wonder, uh, the, the first thing this woman said to us, I don't know who it was. I don't remember if it was Brother Curtis or maybe his I don't know who it was, but some last week. Oh, it was today, right at that little Ace Hardware. What a wonderful story that was. That woman, I was just at the Jason Aldean concert last week. I was like, Lord, have mercy. The only thing I'll ever think about that guy is remembering how he run just as soon as that crowd started getting shot out out there in Las Vegas. Run. Do that in a small town. Did it in Las Vegas and you ran. Huh? I was popular with this easy message till I got up to right there, wouldn't I? Kicked old Jason Aldean. Mm -hmm. He mentioned Brunswick in the song, and all these people love him. I'm from there. <laughs> what about when they mentioned People's Baptist Church? Oh, I'm from there. I'm from around there. <laughs> Well, you've been fellowshipping with the wrong crowd, ain't you? Amen. I don't know what I was saying before that, but that came down from the heavens, though, so I thought I would say it. Amen. Amen. Listen to me tonight. Fellowship with him. Amen. Listen, the, the, that, the Lord standing there talking to Pilate, the most influential man, he could have helped him in every way. Not only that, he had the man's wife on his side. Jesus had Pilate's wife on his side. Pilate come, Pilate's wife come in there, running in there and said, hey, don't mess with this guy. I wonder what gave her the nerve to come in there. You reckon she was in charge all along? <laughs> i tell you what, it's probably true, amen. Don't mess with, uh, Jezebel was, why not Pilate's wife? She come running out there and said, don't have nothing to do with this man. I've suffered some things about that. And he's scratching his head and looking around. Who, where are you from anyway? But one day Jesus was walk, walking down the road 
And there was this little bitty old short guy nobody liked. Everybody knew he was a robber and a thief. And Jesus walked right where he was. Not two blocks away and punched in his GPS to find out where he was. Jesus walked right, right to where he was. Hey, uh, Zacchaeus, come on down here, boy. I'm going to your house today. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't the pastor of the First Baptist Church in that town. He was a rotten scoundrel. Just like you was. And Jesus come right and said, he said, let's go down to your house and fellowship today. Went right down there with him, saved him. Saved him good. And he, he didn't just become a believer and a member at the First Baptist Church or wherever in the world that was. But he said, boy, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Anybody ever robbed, I'm going to pay it back. He wasn't saved by the law, but the law said if you took something from somebody, you'd repay it fourfold. I'll tell you what, I'm going to get right right here. He said, I'm going to be a legalist today. <laughs> Is that what he said? You said he wanted, listen, he wanted to do what God said to do on that matter because he was now fellowshipping with God. Amen. Listen, I'll tell you what, man. I've had so many people. I've talked to them about things they was doing. I said, hey, buddy, you ought not be doing that. And they say, you ain't going to convict me, preacher. I ain't got no convictions about that whatsoever. Straight face said that right to me. I said, it's okay. It's all right. I'll pray with you about it. But I guarantee if Jesus walked in and sat down and said, now, hey, buddy, let me talk to you about that. That thing's a hindrance to you. Yeah. It ain't no good. It's going to kill you probably. Yeah. Yeah. You sit there and tell Jesus, I ain't got no convictions about that. Listen, I guarantee you the first time you ever see Jesus, the Ten Commandments going to roll through your mind like a freight train. I guarantee that. It don't take no theologian to figure that out. Jesus Christ come to die for your sins. And the only description you've got of what sins are in the Bible is the, Ten the 600 and some commandments that there are. And as soon as you ever see God's face, the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, them commandments going to roll through your mind like a freight train. And you're going to find some of them New Testament commandments too, like not to defile the flesh. Amen. And you're going to think, boy. And you know, one of the most amazing revelations that ever, I mean, the biggest revelation that I've ever had is not that the gap theory is not true. That was a revelation. I heard it, I believed it, and I prayed about it and read my Bible, and I said, that ain't true. But that's not the great revelation that I heard. No, sir. No, sir. The greatest revelation I ever had was that I, even after I was saved, I was doing things my way and had never asked him about it and never fellowshiped with him about it for five minutes. And that yet he was still coming to me and helping me and answering my prayers. And he was being graceful to me until I come to my senses. And that leads me to say this and then I'll quit. The Lord's doing a whole lot of fellowshipping with you when you ain't involved in the thing at all. Uh, they got this thing on a plane. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ride in a plane either way. The last plane I rode in, the United States Marine Corps, I said, God, get me down from here and I'll never get in another one. And I intend to keep my word on that. <laughs> if, if a car won't go there, I ain't coming there. Will you come to China to preach? No, sir, if, absolutely not. Especially after what I've done said about Chinese. Uh, if, if there's not a super highway that goes to China, you can bet Brother Mike ain't going to preach there. Lord, I've said that now. I'll be in China before next month. I ain't looking to fly. That was the roughest flight that I have ever been on in my life. Lord, get me down from here. Lord, get me down from here. But listen to me. You... Uh, Get up in them planes, they'll put them on autopilot, and they'll fly from Jacksonville to Boston all by themselves. They do everything but take off and land themselves. Get that thing up in the sky, hit autopilot, and take a nap and have a cup of coffee, whatever the case might be. There's a lot of Christians that same way. They got saved. And I believe they got saved. We're saved by grace. We're not saved by fellowship. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by none of that stuff. You, the Lord died for your sins. He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he rose again for your justification on the third day. You believe that? Oh, I believe that. You're saved by the grace of God. Saved by the grace of God. But people's heard that and somebody said, well, come back to church next week. They came back and they enjoyed the service and some people smiled at them and fed them some mashed potatoes and gravy after church and they just liked that kind of culture. We right here, preacher. You're the best preacher that they ever was. Uh, they say that, you know. 
And they've been riding autopilot like that for 10, 15, 20 years. And the first time the Lord, the first time they actually realized that the Lord was dealing with them about it, they got so upset they probably quit that church. I don't know what's going on around here. Something's changed. Yeah, God knocking on your door. That's, what it, that's what's going on. Realize God was working on them, dealing with them. And some people go through that their whole life. They go through that their whole life. But every once in a while, people will wake up. Man, this thing's real. Some of them make another, listen, when people realize that, sometimes they make another profession of faith. I, I, there was a time when I did that. I got out of the Marine Corps. And started going back to church with my mom and started hearing that preaching again. I said, man, you know what? I ain't saved. I went down the altar. Lord saved my soul. Took my little earring out because I was a sissy. Why would a man wear earrings? Because he's a sissy. That's why. That's girl stuff. Amen. Took that earring out. and uh, I thought I was pretty tough, but I found out I wasn't that tough. Amen. Took that earring out and come back to church in the next service and come back to church in the next service and started reading my Bible and asking God to help me. And I, I got over there in 2 Peter chapter 1 where he said, if you add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge patience and to patience temperance and to temperance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness. The Bible said, if, if you, uh, the Bible said, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. I said, I was saved all along, wasn't I? When I was a little four-year-old, five-year-old boy, I asked God to save me. He saved me up. He saved me all the way. But I got out and doing my own thing, wasn't fellowshipping with him. Didn't have no faith. Didn't have no virtue. Didn't have no temperance. Didn't have no patience. Forgot I was even saved. That's what he says. He said, forgot you was purged from your... Amen. I said, boy... There it is in the wood. You say, what was you doing that day? I was fellowshipping. Fellowshipping. I had been thinking, boy, if one of them bullets would have got me. If one of the, listen, I was standing out in boot camp. They had a whole line of us sitting there waiting to fire these rocket things. They were rocket trainers. They didn't shoot rockets. They shot nine millimeter bullets. And one of these fellows was standing there and they had told us you stand there with the thing pointing at the ground next time you, when it's your turn you'll get up there and you'll load it this way and you'll lock it this way and you'll aim it this way and you'll fire it this way and if you do it any other way we'll stomp you in the ground. Why were they saying it so mean? Because somebody get killed if they didn't do it right. And one of these fellows stand there and he cocks it up on his shoulder showing off to his buddies and shot the guy in front of him in the back of his shoulder. It went through his shoulder out the front hit the guy in front of him in the neck and killed him dead right there on that place. And that could have been me as soon as it could have been anybody else could have been me. And I'm sitting here thinking, at some point in my life I'm thinking, boy, if that had been me, I'd died and gone to hell. If that had been me, if that had been me, you say, oh, but Brother Mike, it's nothing to worry about because it's this way or that way. Look, that's not the way the, the mind of a man works. Why go through the turmoil? Why go through the... Through the uncertainty. Why go through that? Why go through that stuff? Gotten so many mitts up while I was in the Marine Corps. Man, I could have died in any number of ways. And that stuff was in the back of my mind. And the first time I got any liberty at all, after I joined the Marine Corps, I was walking down the road in Denver, Colorado, right through the middle of the city. And I was looking at all this place that's supposed to be such a free-thinking place. And this is a great duty station. You're going to have fun the 15 weeks while you're there. Man, it's going to be a blast. Ain't going to be no parents there. Ain't going to be no church service there. Man, I'm going to have a blast. And the first time I got liberty, walked down the middle of that street, that, that, uh, what, that main uh, business district, there's a median that goes down the middle with all these pretty trees. And there's this guy in a Marine Corps jacket and his Bible held up in there saying, Repent or perish! Turn or burn. And as he's doing that, he turns like this. And the big old Marine Corps bulldog on his back. I, and I stopped dead in my tracks. And I said, boy, if that ain't talking to me, I don't know what it is. And you know what I did after that? I ignored it and walked on down the road. And any number of things could have happened between that and the time I kneeled down at that altar because I was out of fellowship. And for me, what I'm telling you tonight is the most dangerous place that a Christian can be is out of fellowship. You think it's lonely being lost. The loneliest place in this world for a Christian is to be out of fellowship with the one that died for him. 
Have you ever been out of fellowship with your mother? Have you ever been out of fellowship with your father or with one of your daughters or with your son? Been out of fellowship with a grandma? That's a pretty lonely place. But man, when you really need it and you look around and find out you ain't in fellowship with Jesus and you need him right now, then you'll start kicking and screaming. You know what you'll find? You'll find him faithful. He'll be right there. I'm not saying there'll be no consequences. I'm not saying he'll jump and take care of everything right away, but you'll find him there. And when you find him right there, you'll find some instruction from him what he'll tell you to do. And the first thing he'll do is he'll tell you, in him is no darkness at all. You get that little stuff right there out of the way, and we'll take care of business. We'll help you out. And you restore fellowship with him. He'll be there with you. You might choose not to. Some of you might never even thought about this stuff tonight. Tonight you can start getting in fellowship with him. I believe there's folks that saved and just living on a wing and a prayer. Lord, I just don't know what's going on. You know what that is? Listen, you know what that is? He said we don't walk in darkness. You know what it is when you get up and you say, what am I going to do with my life? And you say, I don't know. That's darkness. Because I don't care if you ain't even got a job. If you if you saved by the grace of God, God got something for you to do. Amen. And the only way a Christian say, I don't know what I'm going to do if he's walking in darkness. If you're walking in the light, there's direction there. Amen. You say, well, well, what am I going to do today? I don't know. That's walking in darkness. The Bible says do things decently in order. Amen. A man walking with God has a plan for today and for tomorrow. Amen. Well, I'm just so bored. I don't know what I do. Man, you need to start praying. Amen. You need to start asking God what he wants you to do. And then when you find out, start doing it. How long should I do it? Do it till he tells you to stop. Amen. Pray till he tells you to stop. Well, nobody prays two or three hours no more because they stopping on their own accord. Jesus didn't say stop. Just go ahead. Amen. Amen. Run across all the prophets. They get down and bow down to them. The prophet says, get up, get up, get up. Don't do that. Amen. Daniel, Daniel actually let him lay there and pray a little while. Caused me all this trouble. Dragged me up to Babylon. I'm going to let you lay there and pray a little while. Y'all didn't realize Daniel didn't tell him to get up, right? Nebuchadnezzar fell down on his feet, and Daniel's like, okay. I like it. <laughs> Amen. They laid down in front of Jesus' feet. Jesus did the same thing. You're doing good. You're doing fine. But when you get up, he'll give you direction. Yeah, the people say, oh, I found new meaning for my life. They're talking about now I'm going to sell Mary Kay cosmetics or something. That ain't meaning for your life. Get that book in your hand. Get Jesus in your heart. God give you new purpose. He surely will. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your grace. Help us tonight is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. God spoke to your heart tonight. Why don't you come on? If you had a fellowship, tonight's the night. Tonight's the night to get right. You say, how easy is it to get back in fellowship? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? You say... Preacher, I don't know that I could pray. Well, why don't you grab somebody that you know can and just make your way down to an altar? Somebody will pray with you. Be glad to pray with you. But don't leave tonight without doing business with God.